This is a branded podcast from Postscript Studios. Years back, a major municipal utility in the U.S. rolled out a new time-of-use rate for commercial customers. As the name implies, a time-of-use rate is a price for electricity that changes based on when it's consumed. And it's an increasingly common way for utilities to shift demand to different times of the day. So the way that this traditionally happens when a utility develops a rate is you have a few people in a back room developing it on a spreadsheet, and then they take a a sample population, run it through, and uh, look to see how it performs. So they did that. Everything looked good. The rate was changed. Businesses were opted in. Everything was going fine. And then one class of customers suddenly faced a huge spike in bills. Their load profile basically looked like this. Monday, flat. Tuesday, flat. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, flat. Sunday, huge spike. Very little demand all week. And then a Sunday morning surge. Hmm, what kind of large building would see that kind of swing? Churches. They didn't see churches in their population. Then all of a sudden, all the churches, they only have demand on Sunday, really. And so they're getting hit with that demand charge. And so their bills were four or five X what they were. And so it got picked up by the news and they were calling it a tax on God. And that's just never a place that you want to be. So it's a fascinating example of how things can go wrong if if not done right. So rates are the closest thing to the hand of God on the grid. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd go that far, but, uh, but, but certainly, certainly powerful. And, you know, I think this is kind of a cautionary tale. This is an example of of kind of making bad decisions based upon incomplete data, right? And because the fundamental problem here was that they they did sampling. They took a sample of their population and ran it through and looked at it, but but churches didn't show up in the sample. So this is the, you know, this is a great example of trying to do the right thing, but because you were you know, had an incomplete picture, um, drawing wrong conclusions. The price of electricity used to be static. Today, rates are a real-time tool to manage demand on a grid that is being transformed by renewables, batteries, electric cars, and also stressed by extreme weather. Nearly 70% of the country is covered by some kind of of time-of-use rate, but only 7% of customers are actively taking advantage of them. Why is that? And as time-of-use rates expand, how do we avoid the tax-on-God conundrum? In this episode, GridX CEO Chris Black makes the case that dynamic rate design is one of the most important tools for decarbonizing the grid. So rate design is a term that everyone in the utility business knows and understands. But I think few people outside of the utility business appreciate just how important it is and what a central tool it is for getting carbon emissions out of the grid quickly. And, and enabling people to be a part of that transition. Right. So, you know, we believe that rates can be a critical piece of our clean energy transition. We really see them as kind of the catalyst for this change that is coming. But traditionally, rates were pretty simple. They were basically a means to an end for utilities to recover the cost of investment for generating and supplying us with electricity, right, and managing the grid. Um, and that was it. So they developed very simple rates to try and equitably distribute the costs of of generating and supplying. But but going forward, rates are going to be much more uh, about providing incentives to customers to use more energy or less energy at at, at certain times, to enable uh, distributed energy resources, to leverage microgrids, EV storage, all of these these new classes of things that are really changing the demand side of the demand and supply uh, equation, all with the goal of reducing carbon and achieving other clean energy objectives uh, for the utility. So let's talk about why 
the new way is so important because there are a lot of applications that are emerging on the grid that could present issues for utilities if they don't do it right. So the first would be electric vehicles. There are a lot of electric vehicles being purchased. Sales are going up. We could hit you know, anywhere from 30 to 50% of new car sales being electric over the next 15, 20 years. And so there's this tipping point that's coming for EV adoption. Um, what is that tipping point on the grid? And, and do we have the rates to manage all those new cars that will be plugging into the distribution system? Yeah, great question. So that tipping point isn't coming. It has come. We, we've already achieved, uh, for the last six, uh, six months, more than 5% of new car sales in America have been electric vehicles. So that's the magic number. Bloomberg said that 5% threshold is basically the the signal to start mass adoption um, uh, when technology preferences rapidly flipped. And that basically means, as you said, that a quarter of new car sales could be electric by the end of 2025. So we're there now. So it's not coming, it's come. So to your question of, are we ready? Are the rates there? No, certainly the, the technology and the capabilities exist to uh, have these rates. Some utilities are very progressive and have developed EV-specific rates and kind of type of use uh, rates that bet, you know that kind of match these these uses, like you know, like EV rates. But many don't. I think we are behind in where we should be from a national perspective and in the availability of EV-specific rates to better manage that penetration level on the grid. It is going to be a problem if everyone's plugging their cars in at the same time, right? The, the peaks are hard to manage. And so you do need to, to, to distribute that load you know, throughout an evening. And, and EVs are, are already ready for that, right? Most EVs, you can program them to be to start charging and stop charging at a certain times. So, so aligning your charging schedule with, with your rate is a really powerful tool. But yes, we're not, we're, those rates are not widely enough available yet relative to the, the current adoption of EVs. So the next really important use case would be how to save money for uh, low and moderate income customers. Utilities are really figuring out how to serve these customers best. And so when it comes to thinking about changing demand, you want to structure rates so that you're focusing on how to save people money. How do you think about rate design for that class of customers? Yeah, it's a super important question. I think it is it is the question that has held back the penetration of, of time-varying rates, time-of-use rates, um, a, a bit. Uh, and that's because there's this belief based upon fairly limited data that time of use rates are bad for low to middle income earners and i think you know the belief is based upon the fact that they have less flexibility in their schedules to to move loads around to align with times of day um, but pilot after pilot after pilot have proven the opposite that low and mi- middle income earners actually are more motivated to find savings and you know and those savings that they do find are more meaningful to them than you know anybody else and so uh, for example uh, southern california edison had what they wanted to be a, a default time of use rate and not being a default time of use rate so therefore people had to opt in and a far greater proportion of LMI customers, low middle income customers, opted into it because they had more control over their bill. And so, you know, I think if done right, it doesn't automatically. By the way, a time of use rate doesn't automatically lower your bill, right? It requires you to 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 respond as well, uh, you know, because you have to make some changes in your behaviors that that align with that schedule. But if you do so, absolutely, you can find savings. So. 
Let's talk about the broader set of distributed resources that can be pulled together in different ways to create virtual power plants to help the grid during times of stress or to prevent utilities from having to build out whole new sets of distribution infrastructure. Maybe they can delay some of those investments by using distributed resources on the grid in sophisticated ways. So as utilities are thinking about these virtual power plants, there are many different configurations. How can rates help these resources to act in service yeah. of the grid? Sure. So yeah, I think advanced rate structures and, and business model incentives are absolutely key to encourage the right kind of outcomes for distributed energy resources on the grid. So this includes things like being able to send out price signals to devices for automated responses, you know, uh, in, in times of extreme stress. You know, I think managed EV charging is a great example of this, you know, that where EV chargers are going to pop up on the grid whether we plan it or not, uh, right? And so, same thing with solar, same thing with with storage. These distributed energy resources are going to come. There's a there's a large organic pool from consumers. So, doing things like managed charging, pairing rates with programs like um, automated uh, demand management, demand response programs, uh, pairing those with rates creates a lot of tools to to better manage these dynamics that are, that are going to happen, you know, whether they like it or not. How granular does this get? So if you if you laid out your set of tools, are we talking about a giant club or hammer, or are we talking about a scalpel here? Yeah, it, it needs to be, I think the answer is, historically, it's a hammer. It needs to be a scalpel. What we provide is, what we provide is the scalpel. So, so literally, when we say full popul- uh, population analysis, we allow utility to look at every single one of their consumers, every single one of their meters, whether it's a commercial industrial meter, a small to medium-sized uh, business, or a residential meter, and they can drill down into segments. They can drill down all the way into an individual. So that's the kind of precision you need to, to avoid the tax on God problem, frankly. So the march of technology continues and the urgency of climate change gets worse by the week. What are the consequences of not getting this right? Yeah, it's scary to think about what the consequences are, right? The the cost of energy is only going to go up. The demand for energy is only going up. The electrification of everything is, is coming. So I think we have to get it right. There's not a question of what happens when we get it wrong. Like, we have to get it right. We have to, to figure out how to make all of this more accessible, more widely accessible, more, uh, better for consumers so it's a more sustainable. Uh, and I think focusing on the demand side of this equation is the right way to focus because the supply side will continue to evolve. The only thing we can really do is motivate and manage on the demand side. So I think we have to get it right. I think you've convinced me. I think you've convinced me just how important there you go. Now you just are. need to call your utility up and, and uh, make sure that they have the time of use rates uh, available to you that's going to work best for you. Spread the word. <laughs> Tell your friends. Chris Black, the CEO of GridX. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Great to talk to you. This episode was made in partnership with GridX. Delivering on the clean energy future is complex. GridX exists to simplify the journey. GridX is the enterprise rate platform of choice for utilities undergoing rate reforms and transitions. GridX's analytics deliver the detailed costs of changing to a new time-of-use rate plan, buying an electric vehicle, installing solar, you name it. Utilities and energy tech providers that work with GridX have seen less strain on the grid, happier customers, and more adoption of the products and services we need to decarbonize the grid. Learn more at gridx.com.